Hi guys, my name is Tisha Karunwe and I'm a wife, a mom of two. Um, I'm married to an amazing guy and we just have fun all the time. <laughs> um, I'm also a nurse, um, I'm in psych and I'm just happy to be living my purpose and be doing the things that I love and I enjoy doing. So yeah, I'm glad to be here to share my experiences with you guys. Thank you for having me. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Conversations from the Diaspora with Love, and this is your sister and your friend, Nkiru. On today's episode, I'm joined by a lovely woman. She's a mother, she's a wife, she's a nurse, among other things. And she'll be talking to us about her experience giving birth. Um, I'll let her introduce herself. Tisha, would you do the honors? Yes, hi, Nkiru. I'm so happy to be here. Um, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Tisha. Karunwi and yeah, like you said, um, I'm a wife, a mom, <laughs> among other things. <laughs> <laughs> I like to, you know, dabble in different things. Um, right now I'm doing, I just started a YouTube channel where I'm just trying to use it as an avenue to document pretty much my life and my experience being a wife and a mom, but most importantly, um, being a child of God. Um, as a Christian, I feel like we are called to the world to be to be an example, and that's really what I'm trying to do um, on my YouTube channel. So yeah, follow me on my YouTube channel. It's called Tisha K. So that's T I S E space K A Y. Yeah, that's it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that, sis. So, <laughs> before we get deep into our discussion, um, you know, I, I asked you briefly. How are you and the family during, doing during this time of quarantine? I know you're an essential worker, so your experience is different from many of ours. And by the way, thank you for your service. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, I mean, right now, we are doing great. The great thing about, well, there's, there's a good thing and a bad thing about being an essential, essential worker. The yeah. good thing is I have a job. Exactly. Which, you know, a lot of people don't have right now and are struggling with. But the bad thing is also that I'm at risk, you know, for, mm. for catching anything, yeah. which I actually thought that I did um, a few couple of months ago. But thank God that I tested negative. Exactly. So, thank um, God. yeah, I just thank God for that. Is your is your hospital well? Um, are you guys well prepared as far as like PPE and everything else? Yeah, I mean, the good thing is that even though I'm a nurse, I'm not on the front line like that. I'm actually in psych. Um, so what we did was we just stopped accepting patients, to be honest okay. with you. Um, and we stopped visitation. We stopped a lot of things, like anybody from coming from the outside. Yeah. Um, we, do, we do screenings every day. When we come in, we screen all the staff and uh, check the temperature, check all of that stuff. We, we, they have to literally every every morning or every anytime you go to work, you have to kind of talk about your symptoms and what you're feeling and so on and so forth. And if you have any symptoms that could even be close to um, coronavirus, um, we ask that you stay home and quarantine yourself for two weeks and get tested. Yeah. So honestly, that's what we've been doing. And to God be the glory, we've been able, we don't have any case of coronavirus right now. Oh, um, yeah, we've been able to really keep that away. Um, and it's the effort from everybody at my job. Wow, that's wonderful. I really commend you guys for that. 
So what is one thing that you would say that you, I guess, enjoy about this time and maybe one thing that you look forward to once this is all over, prayerfully? <laughs> oh, what do I enjoy about this time? To be honest, not much has changed for me. Okay. I'm still going to work. I'm still coming back home. Um, the only thing that I would say I enjoy is my husband has been forced to work from home. Yes. So good. On my off days, I do get to have him to hang around with um but it's also a bad thing because really he's so busy um he's because he's been forced to stay at home his job they were not prepared to be online exactly he's doing like three times the normal job so he's very very stressed out so even though yeah i do have him at home i really don't have him he's in a zillions of meetings of i mean it's just and I can't really talk to him. He'd be like, shh, I'm in a meeting. It's <laughs> <laughs> just been kind of rough on him more than me, to be honest. Yeah. I get to just leave my job, but he's literally working till 2 a.m., 3 a.m. sometimes. Wow. Um, just to make that semester go away. And thank God he's finally done. Exactly. And, um, even, even though he's done, he doesn't really have that breathing room because they have to prepare for the summer. So oh. now they now they want to go and and train <laughs> for how yeah. to properly do the summer online. So, I, was, I was reading somewhere that they're not going to like have in person classes until maybe fall of twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah. I think right now they're trying to prepare for the fact that they might not even have. They might they prepare for like an online in the fall. They're oh, hoping okay. it doesn't get there, but they are concerned. The concerns are really towards the professors because, you know, professors are also a little bit older and they are concerned, they are really concerned that, yeah, everybody's going to come back to school and all these young students that are um, asymptomatic will come back and they're healthy, so they, they don't, they're not sick, but they're going to give it to all these um, professors that are, you know, 60, over 60, over 65. Oh. So they are concerned for their health in more so anything. And I think if they do stay online in the fall, it would be because of that. Yeah. But I think they're trying to work work a way around it. They're trying to reduce class size. They're trying to um, do a lot of things. Maybe you do like an hybrid where... Yeah. Yeah. So they, they're working on a lot of stuff. I just give you some tips to tell you I've been in all those meetings. I've been <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm hearing all those conversations, you know. But yeah. Wow. Yeah, because I was talking to one of my friends about the same kind of thing. Like the good thing about this, I guess, time that we're at home, it's mm-hmm. forcing many people to, I guess, well, I don't want to use the word force, but it's causing people to have some level of closeness and like more appreciation, I guess, for their families mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, the essential no, and, and I get that for a lot of people, but to be honest, for me, nothing has really changed. Yeah. I'm still doing work. Um, and luckily, uh, my children's daycare, they stayed open. Oh, wow. That's surprising. <laughs> Interesting. Especially because they knew... Excuse me. I have okay. allergies for this time. Um, <laughs> I know that's, everyone's going to think something else. Yeah, I have allergies. They stayed open um, because of they know that some of us there are essential workers. Okay, good. And I also think, to me, I actually think that they also want to stay getting paid because yeah. um excuse me oh, oh lord this <laughs> is out i think they also want to stay with a job because to be honest to be out of work um 
<laughs> it's not it's, it's not everybody can handle that mm. and i think this work out for for all of us and I, initially i was like reluctant to taking the kids over there yeah. but i saw the way they were i mean they gloved up they with their, with their mask and everything and they were really doing everything to make sure that yeah in fact they you know you can't even go in they take your child from you at the door and okay. so i mean by god's grace the kids are all right um yeah. and nobody there have been sick or anything like that yeah we pray that it stays that way but it's just so crazy because I, i think some of these things they should have been happening from a long time like making sure certain things are sanitized the right way especially with dealing right. with food and children and But mm-hmm. I mean, you know, everything has to happen for something, I guess, greater to come out of it. So we'll see how yes. things, you know, kind of turn out. And I think yes. another thing too, many people have taken this time to like build on maybe their creative side. Did you start your channel during this time or? Um, so funny enough, I started my channel on my birthday, which was March 11th. Okay, so right so, before all this kind of got really right before all this got started. Yeah, same here with my <laughs> podcast. So when all this <laughs> when all this thing started, it made me realize, huh? So you know, this right now people can be home; they can actually yeah. get to really watch more of my content and stuff. So I'm like, I really need to, you know, improve on my you know my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> more videos out you know sometimes when i'm reluctant to kind of put something out i'm like uh people are home they're not doing anything yeah it's a great time <laughs> yeah so it actually made me think about even the future because yeah. not forbid anything like this happen again you need to think about a lot of people that don't have a job right now starting something online is great especially oh, yeah. if you can get something from me financially that would be great to just have multiple sources of income. Oh yeah. So I, I, I th- I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe I should start taking this stuff seriously. Yeah. So <laughs> before we get to the main topic, just one light, light last comment. What is one yeah. thing that you think that you look forward to, I, I guess once this is all over? Being able to, okay, I, I want to say being able to go out, but really yeah. I don't really go out before because I have two young kids and it's just like I know. taking them out. I have to plan a lot of things ahead. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I have to plan. <laughs> But I think it's just being able to know that there is that option um, mm. to go out. Like for example, my I'm trying to get back into fitness, trying to yeah. lose weight and all that stuff. And I just want to be able to, I lose weight or I'm more fit when I'm out on the court playing tennis because that's what I'm used to playing. Oh, nice. And I can't because because of during this time I've not been able to play tennis because all those um the, the facilities have been closed. Yeah. No. So I'm definitely looking forward to being able to go play tennis and I use it as a stress reliever. I use it to escape from my children and I get, <laughs> I want to use it to lose weight right now. So I I can't wait to be able to get back into that. Wow. Because next time we're in the same area, we should play tennis together. I love tennis. Oh, anytime, anytime. So I just wanted to uh, thank you again just for joining us. Um, so um, I wanted to highlight a few facts about uh, Black maternal health in this country. And again, mm-hmm. I watched your video when you were just discussing your birth experience and your birth story. And that's kind of what, I, you know, piqued my interest and in wanting to just talk with you about it. Um, So we know Serena Williams and Beyonce, they're both superstars, obviously, in their own rights and their own fields. They're both well-known, they're both uh, wealthy women, but they both experienced life-threatening complications in their pregnancies, just like millions of other Black women in the United States. Um, 
Black women, according to the CDC, are three to four times more likely to die from pregnancy-related causes than white women. And this is partly because of, sorry, this is partly why the maternal uh, maternal mortality rate, tongue twister, in the U.S. is worse and is the worst in any industrialized country. So why do you think this is? And, um, you know, from there, could you tell us a little bit about, you know, your birth experience? Yeah, I mean, those are facts you just did. And it's unfortunate that in this country, <laughs> being as developed as it is, to be one of the highest rated, you say highest rated, like, cause of mortality? Yeah, like, and, um, I, mean, I don't know about with um, different races, but I can tell you why it is with, you know, with, with us Blacks, for example, when you're talking about Africans in the diaspora, mm-hmm. well, guess what? They, they consider us Black. We are Black. Yeah. So we're all together in this. And exactly. unfortunately, um, being even in the health field, mm-hmm. um, just digress a little bit. Um, you know, I'm a tennis player, so I, I, I obviously, my favorite tennis player in the world is Serena Williams. Yeah. I remember when she had a child, and that is the number one player in the world. Yeah, millionaire, multi-millionaire. For her, to, as powerful as she is, exactly to go have a baby, and she she had a really difficult um, ba- um pregnancy, I think, and she had a difficult um birth. Yeah, and when she gave birth, she said that's when she started battling for her life. Yeah, and she said that she pretty much told them, "I I am I know the pain and the way I'm feeling. I can't breathe and all this stuff." I know that I'm, I have, I'm having a blood clot because what you not wanted about blood clots is when you you have a higher chance of it increasing when you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. There's also an increase when when you lead a life where you are too, you are in one place for too long, and a lot of times with the tennis players they're traveling a lot, so they're always sitting down in the plane. They are sitting down, you know, for, for a long period of time, especially because they're traveling. So they actually are prone, really athletes are actually prone prone to um, blood clots. And she has had about four different blood clots before that wow. almost killed her before. So she, know, she knows her symptoms. I'm sorry, there's no... As a nurse, what I always ask a patient, if they say anything is wrong with them, I believe them. Yes. They know their body more than I can do. I can only go from a textbook. I can only go from the things that I've seen. But nobody can tell you about your issues more than you. And for her, Serena Williams saying, look, I'm having the blo- I'm having blood clots, um, like pulmonary embolism or whatever. This is what's going on. And they're like, no, we don't say anything like that. And they were not taking her seriously. That got me thinking, like, if Serena Williams was not taken seriously, like... Yeah, it would have been a different story. Yeah, and come to find out that was what was going on with her. And she... W- <laughs> It was until then, if you don't know the issue, you cannot solve the problem. Mm-hmm. It was it was now until then that they now started like fixing her and you know how to start administering the medications and, and stuff like that to, to treat her. I said that because with the high rate of mortality, I, I don't know the fact and I don't know the um the numbers here, but it's even higher amongst African Americans, amongst amongst blacks. Yes. And um for whatever for whatever reason, well, I mean, not for whatever reason, but for some reasons, they are not being taken serious. Um, part of it might be our fault, but a lot of it is just because somehow we are not being respected. We are not being respected to state our opinion on what is wrong with our body. Yeah, um, I see this a lot when um, when I have 
if I have my choice, I always go for like a black doctor. Yeah. I do that because I not to be um to be prejudiced or to be partial. Yeah. But I also know that I cannot compare my body to that of a Caucasian, you know. And the reason why is because I just feel like even though yes, we are humans, mm-hmm. but there are some symptoms and there are some diseases that are more prevalent in people like me that a white person might not have or might not be used to. Okay. And so I like a doctor that kind of know what I'm feeling, that has dealt with my body. Maybe she's had that issue herself. Because I just feel like they're able to have more insight. Because I've seen that whenever I do go for white doctors, they always seem to say certain things that they just always underplay my pain, they underplay my symptoms. They just always underplay it. I never knew why, but also I've been realizing that just our bodies are different. I mean, if you look at the BMI scale, for example, I always joke about that. Um, that for whatever reason, this was a scale that was made up many, 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 many years ago. Mm-hmm. But it was not made to fit the bodies of Blacks or African-Americans. It was not made for that because if you look at our bone density, it is it weighs more than that of maybe like an Asian or um, a white person. It weighs more. So because of that, we're going to weigh more. Whether we are in shape or not, whether we are skinny or not, our bone density, uh, it, the mass is just is, is, is bigger. And so we are most likely to be considered overweight or obese because of that. Now, which is why I've never followed them. I remember when I was in college, playing college tennis, an athlete, I was as skinny as, if you look at me, you probably think I, I weigh like 130, but I weigh 175 because, awesome. like I said, it's all muscle. Even though I don't look like I'm muscular, I was very thin, but is the bone density contributes to it. And so when I look at that, I never really try to compare myself with that. So I always try to get a doctor that might understand my body and understand where I'm coming from. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not always the case, you know, because when, when you use your insurance to, to, to go find doctors, you don't always get the doctor that, you know, that works for you. And that was the case when I was pregnant. Um, being that it was my first child, I definitely wanted a place that I wanted to a top-notch place yeah. that was going to take care of me and know what they're doing. So I, pur- I purposely chose um, a clinic that I know will deliver at a certain hospital. Okay. So that's what I did. Um, and I mean, and yeah, and I don't know, I think you wanted me to talk about um, why the case is high in America and what I would just say is that we need to be doing more of more patient care than mm-hmm. equipment care. When I say equipment care, I feel like we, a lot of the physicians or healthcare workers, we are looking at what the equipment are telling us. What is the mm-hmm. ultrasound saying? What is the blood pressure machine saying? What is um, this one saying? And not what is the patient saying? when we listen more to what the patient is saying like this is what is going on with me yeah. i feel like i'm ready to have a baby i feel like i'm ready to do this then we can actually start and start treating it by what they are saying we can actually we can actually be able to treat that person faster and avoid a lot of mortality um because i feel like we are, we are too equipment focused um in, wow. in this country and it's good it's good that we have machines it's good that we have all this stuff to tell us what's wrong 
but the person is still the best <laughs> person to tell you exactly possible. um and, and yeah i think that's just my answer to that yeah, because I know um, in your video, and of course, feel free to not go as deep if, or however deep you want to go into it. You mm-hmm. mentioned how, um, you know, with, with your, I think it was your, your first son, um, mm-hmm. you know, they kept sending you back home. You were telling them that yeah. you, know, you were feeling a certain way, but they were said, oh, you know, they kind of, like you said earlier, they tried to undermine your experience. Obviously, with yeah. your first pregnancy, and your that, first child, but you, and, and, you can tell what's going on in your body. Right, and that's part of that goes back to what I was saying earlier that I cannot expect a white person to understand what's going on in my body mm-hmm. as an African that I've been trained to not really talk about my pain. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Perfect. I don't, I'm used to, I mean, period pain is nothing to me. I don't take medication for that. I just started yeah. taking it now because it's now different. Bad. <laughs> it's not different. Yeah. But, up until that time, I never took medication for period pain. And I just knew how to tolerate pain. And I think it's part of my upbringing. You never really talk about pain. If you if you eat some, your leg on the, on the rock, it's, ah, yes, you're okay. <laughs> you, don't, you don't even want to say something like, you don't, you don't even want to talk about it. Um, when you see our mothers deal with pain and you know that they have big issues, they don't say nothing about it. Wow. So, someone... How can my um, my white worker nurses yeah. understand the fact that not even just white nurses, and I also had a black nurse. Okay. But how can they understand that this African girl just doesn't want to show her pain because I and also I did not want to be that bad patient that's like crying and screaming and mm. whatnot. And oh, trust me, and I learned, I learned, and I changed my ways the second time around. Okay. Um, but I not want to be that person screaming because I felt like it was just that was not the way I was trained to be like I was not raised to be screaming and yelling because people would just say shut up <laughs> yeah. you know so I was not going to express myself and that also went into the case of labor you know I got there and I, I was just the pain was already there but I'm just like mm, I cannot be showing them that I'm in pain uh-uh. I'm going to come and embarrass myself here that's the thing that was going on in my head. Like, I cannot show them that I'm in pain. But I felt like it was enough for me to tell them, yeah, I am in pain. Yeah. And they would take it seriously. But they were like, oh, you, the way you are laughing, and trust me, you are not. So they, they literally had me think that if I was in, in true pain, I should be, be crying or something. I should be screaming, yeah. But my thought process was, you guys told me to come here when I'm between three and a half, three to five minutes, um... Minutes contract contraction. So I'm three to five minutes in contraction. That's enough for you guys to just admit me and start the process. That's what what I was told. I didn't think I was not told that you must be screaming and crying and whatnot to also believe you that you are in pain. My word that I'm in pain should be enough. So because of and and another thing also is the body type. Okay, they are used to taking care of. Someone that develops contractions in their back okay. or around their body. They are used to someone having back pains, for example. So, like I said, that area that I'm in is mostly um, Caucasian. So, I don't know if maybe my white counterparts just always have their labor in their back. Maybe that's what they were used to. And then here I come, I don't have any back pain. I don't have any of that. I'm just cramping in my front. 
uh, in my lower abdomen. That's all I have. So maybe they are just not used to that. They were waiting for me to um, to have that. And let me tell you, I never had that. Even with my, even when I when I was about to give birth, I still never had that back labor that they were saying that I would have. I never had it. So everybody is going to be different. We need to treat each individual like an individual. As individuals, we cannot. Yeah, it's good to compare certain things when you want to compare how to treat somebody. But if someone is telling you otherwise, they just you have listen. to be listening to, or you have to make them listen to you. And yeah, that's what I got to learn later on is that at the end of the day, you have to take your care through your own hands, you know, um, because if nobody's going to listen to you, then you have to make them listen to you. Since you said two very powerful things. I don't want to lose it. The first thing you said, you highlighted, um, I guess, the cultural kind of situation where we are kind of taught, you know, both African-Americans, uh, continental Africans, Africans and other parts of the diaspora, which obviously this is what my podcast is about. Like we internalize pain on a different level. Yes. We don't want to speak out because, you know, we don't want to look at it as weak or you don't want someone to say, oh, you know, yes. hush. Um, mm-hmm. what can, you know, obviously you're a, you're a mom now, you know, to two beautiful boys. What can you do differently, I guess, in the raising of how you, how you raise them to take them away from that, maybe that mindset or that kind of thinking so they grow up, you know, feeling free and open to share with mom and dad or, or anyone else, you know, hey, this is hurting me or this is bothering me. And the second thing, um, I forgot. So sorry, just answer that one, please. I'll get back to it later. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny because like um, the other day, my son did something that was bad mm-hmm. um and i think i corrected him or something and then i was going i was, like, I was about to go to work yeah and um i said give me a hug he refused to give me a hug i said hmm he just was ignoring me you know how kids yeah. are i said give yeah. mommy a hug mommy's going to work he didn't give me a hug he didn't give me a kiss nothing i said mommy is sad i said mommy is sad I started kind of fake crying to let him know that I'm sad. <laughs> so I I did that and I walked off and I went to work. I got in the car. My husband like literally rushed behind me and said, Kiowa is crying, Kiowa is crying. I said, why? He said that he, he, he's, he's sorry. Kiowa is sorry. Like, like he wanted me to come back. Oh. So I went back and I said, this guy was full-blown crying because he saw that he had made me sad. Yeah. So, and I gave him a hug, I gave him a kiss, and I said, mommy is happy, mommy is happy. And he was like, and I said, are you happy? He said, yes, yes, I was happy. I said, okay, Oh, that's wonderful. I mean, I shared that because I want them to be able to express themselves and I want them to be able to see me when I'm sad, see me when I'm crying, see me when, when I'm happy. Yeah. Because we never see our parents sad, I never did. Yeah, I know. never saw them crying. I never saw them, you know, and yeah, we try to shield our kids from seeing the side of us, but our kids also need to see us yeah, when we are vulnerable. Yeah. Our kids need to see that it's okay when you're not happy. You can tell, you don't have to cry. You can say, mommy is not happy. Yeah. You know, mommy's not happy that you did that. But we only see our parents as happy or angry when they're mad at you yeah. or when they're happy about something. We never see them like, they don't really come and tell you like, hey, I'm, I'm not happy that you did that. They never really, they're not really like vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And for me, what I had to change, and I think because of that, I was not vulnerable. 
Yeah. I also don't want nobody to see me as weak, you know. Yeah, so I mean, that I'm strong and that's it. So yeah. that, that's definitely something that I'm changing. Even though I do have boys, it's okay as boys to cry. It's yeah. okay if that's sad, be sad. I want to see it. So then I definitely do encourage, um, like right now, even though they are still very young, yeah. but I encourage their, their vulnerability, I encourage their emotional state. They need to develop all sides. Yeah. I'm not going to tell them if they are crying to be quiet. To, be, to shut up because they are boys. I will yeah. not do that. Exactly. If they're crying, okay, what can mommy do to fix to fix it? Okay, let's go do this. If some, you know, like one of them just hurt their knees, was crying, I'm like, oh, sorry, sorry, it's gonna be okay. I'm not gonna say stop crying. Yeah. You know, be a big boy. And I think those those are the words that we always throw out there, like be a big boy, be a big boy, stop crying. You know, big boys don't cry, big girls don't cry, like just all that stuff, like. I think it's, it's gonna affect them later on in life. We never, you might not see the effect now, but when it when it's time for them to actually show their vulnerability, whether in they, they are now um, dating or they are married, and they, it, when the woman wants them to show um, their vulnerability, when they need to show that side of them, they don't know how to show it, you know? And it always affect them later on in life. So my thing is that I'm gonna train them right now to know how to express themselves and, you know, in a, in a healthy way. Okay. So sorry, I had a slight interruption. Um, no, no worries. I think I remember my other question I was going to ask you. Um, how do we advocate for ourselves? Hmm. Like, you know, I think many of us, we don't want to be looked at as, uh, oh, angry black woman, angry black man, whatever. Mm-hmm. So what can a person do, I guess, to speak up for themselves without being looked at as one way or the other? Or should it matter, really? I think I think that I, that's one thing I have, I have to tell myself. The first time around, that was my thought process. Like by the time I came back again the third time, <laughs> by the time I came back the third time, I'm like, this has gone past what they think of me at this point. Now, the, all their notions and all their stereotype of what I'm supposed to have been, that I've been, not, that I've tried not to be. I'm about to, I don't care if I, I'm going to be that stereotype times a hundred. I think at the end of the day, whatever means that you have to go to get the care that you deserve, you need to go there. Okay. Now the goal is not to be the stereotypical angry black woman or whatever, but if you have to be, but if it, if it is by being angry black woman that you get the care that you and your child need, then by all means to me, be angry, be very, very angry. Okay. Because when, God forbid, with all these cases of black moms that die in, 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 in while giving birth, I'm pretty sure if they knew that by being angry, they would be alive, they would die. So I definitely don't think that um, we should be thinking about what will be, will, will be seen as. Um, I think definitely preparation is key. I think looking back now, um, I was able to see that had I prepared more, but it was understandable because it was my first child. But looking back now, I needed to, in order to be able to advocate for myself, I needed to plan it out. So I'm like, okay, when I'm, I see that when I'm in labor, I cannot speak that much. I don't, I'm in a different zone. So guess what? I'm going to have somebody speak for me. Someone that knows exactly what I want. So to me, in able to advocate for yourself, 
is putting measures around you, putting things in place to be able to speak for you, even when you cannot speak for yourself, because we are talking about um, being um, being pregnant and going into labor and stuff like that. So when you are trying to do that, you are in a different zone. I'm not thinking about a lot of stuff. So you need to have somebody yeah. that can stand in the gap for you to represent you true and true. And like being able to, like the second time around, I went to my do- I to my doctors. This 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 is what I want. Yeah. I had it written down. Okay. I had it sent to the hospital. Yeah. I I brought a copy with me and I gave it to them. That this is what they say is gonna happen. This yeah. is what, exactly what I want to happen. And I kept reminding them that if this the, the consequences of if that is not if that that does not happen, here are your the consequences. Mm. This is what's gonna happen. I will have to speak with the head of the hospital. I don't care yeah. who I have to go through. <laughs> so, but I'm not doing that in an angry format. No, yeah, I'm in a family, and I'm just stating facts. I'm just giving it to them. This is these are your words. This is what you guys wrote. Come to the hospital at so and so time. Mm-hmm. If I come at so and so time, it's what you guys would do. Exactly. So I have that. These are my birth plan. We've already constructed it. Everybody have I've seen it. So that's exactly what I want to happen. If we deviate from that plan now, then these are the consequences. Me, I have to be the one to give us the 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 go ahead to deviate. If okay. not, okay. If not, then that's not happening. So I think having a good understanding of what to come is always good planning i think it's really by planning that you advocate advocate for yourself mm-hmm. and also having that person that can speak for you mm-hmm. just in case things are not going the way that it should be yes so sis, i'm actually happy that you mentioned that because i think another challenge in our community we're not um especially for believers we don't like the idea of i guess you can say suing people or taking people to court yeah, I know your experience. I know you were thinking some people in your, you know, in your comments on YouTube were saying, you know, what did you do to kind of address it? Mm-hmm. Like, what can we do? Um, you know, how I, I like how you mentioned that because that's a very important key thing. I think when it comes to our counterparts, you know, for white, um, white people, they are very, uh, I think the word is litigious or whatever. They, you I mean, know, they, will, they will sue for yeah, anything. They, they will sue in the heartbeat. Their water is not being hot enough. Yeah, if, <laughs> yeah, if anything is not what they want, they're going to, you know, you're going to get in trouble for it. Why don't we have that same kind of mode of operation when it comes I, I to... I think, like you said, as Christians, but I, I think <laughs> let's be careful with the Christians that we take because I know many Christians that do sue. Yeah, I think it's a certain kind of Christianity that I always wants to um, say we shouldn't, or yeah. you know, not to be wicked or whatnot. I think it depends on what you're suing for. Okay, I feel like if what you're suing for is legitimate, mm-hmm. yes. Now, for me, do I did I have a right to sue? I don't know because I don't really know what my rights were. To be honest with you, if I had, like from the my experience that happened, some people felt like I should, but I did not know much about the law. Okay. To know what, because for me, if I'm going to sue, I'm going to sue you, I need to make sure that I'm going to win. Yeah. So I'm going to be bringing a lot of facts. But I don't want a situation where I now go through the process of getting a lawyer. I go through the process of having all this stuff down because I am going to have to pay the, the lawyer mm-hmm. because, you know, I'm not going to go through all that process and then they have some kind of claim you know to 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 me not winning everything so, is documented I right? to, all of your complaints is you document it at least 
with the hospital. Yeah, in, in fact, yeah, I, I got in fact I sent the hospital a long letter of what happened and stuff like that. I thought maybe I would even get like a sorry, I didn't get nothing. <laughs> wow. Anything, yeah. I, 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 didn't, I didn't get nothing. And yet, yeah, at that point I could have been bitter and did it. To be honest with you, I did pray about it. And I just felt peace in my mind and I was just like, you know what? Not not suing was the worst. But I felt that I had what I went there for. And the experience, no matter how bad it was initially, God just God turned everything for good. And I just had to be grateful for that. And because of that, that's why I ended up not pursuing that. But I had a peace of mind not to. Um in hindsight, could I have? Yes, if I had maybe some money that I can just throw away like that, I would. I don't <laughs> throw think... away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, throw away as in just in case. I guess yeah. I'm the kind of person that I always think about if this does not work out, I'm ready to lose three, four, five, gra- five grand like that. Yeah. So, well, this, I mean, if I had like that kind of money lying around, I would have definitely given it a, a shot. Okay, well, with your second son, did you have a similar experience or how was that birth? No, my second experience was amazing. Like okay. I said, I took a tour of the maternity unit. I spoke to some of the nurses um, I to see what, you know, how their process was. I spoke to, um, like, everybody that... It was also a similar thing whereby the clinic that I go to, I mean, I have midwives, they have all of those people, but... It's whoever is on call anytime you are going to give birth that will help that will come to help you with your delivery. Okay. So so because of that, I probably saw about four different types of um physicians. I, saw, I had the certified nurse midwife, I had the doctor. In fact, the doctor that ended up coming to deliver my child, I only saw her the last two times. Hmm. <laughs> Literally, I saw her two weeks before I delivered. Oh, okay. So all the ones that I actually was seeing for mainly were not the ones that um, even came to deliver me, uh, my child. But what I made sure was each time I, if, when I say a different person, I I reiterate my um, expectations. Right, I reiterate my expectation. This is what I expect. I always let, let them know about what happened the first time, and they were telling me, no, no, we're not gonna do that. That's not gonna happen. Yes, you come in. I always ask, when do I come in? You're not gonna send me back. So I always like they were yeah. tired of it by the time I, I was done with my pregnancy. They were, they were tired. I always made sure I let them know. So in fact, um the very because my I had already gone like one day over with the okay. second child. Um, but luckily um, I had an appointment that day. So I was one day over, but I, it was it came to the to the appointment period. I did not think I would make that appointment, but since I did not deliver, I made the appointment. And um, she was like, okay, do you want us to like induce you? And I said, okay, we can schedule for an induction. Uh-huh. So she was gonna schedule like for another like week or two, hoping that I would, come, I would have had a baby by then. But if not, then um, they would do the induction. But she now asked, asked me about how the baby was in my stomach. And then I realized that this baby, it's usually like a, a, a karate mover. She's always like somersaulting and jumping in my stomach. And this child has not moved in like a day. So I, I'm like, this baby has not moved in a day. And she's like, wow, that's very concerning for, for him to not have moved. I mean, I drank soda 
everything just to get the baby to move and he was not moving like that i later on actually found out what the reason was um so basically because of that she now found like an opening for an induction the next day okay so i was scheduled for an induction the next day well i didn't i didn't even need to make that induction because literally 5 a.m and my induction was at 9 30 Mm-hmm. At 5 a.m., I said, I, I called everybody, like, we, we gotta go, I gotta go give birth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, really, by, I ended up having my baby around that nine o'clock. But if I was searching for an induction, if I was to meet the induction, I would have not had the baby for, you know. So, the baby definitely came before they had to induce me. So, I was never induced. Okay. Um, by that time, I was already, um, I already had my baby. But the process, I mean, from getting there, the nurses were just much better also. Nice. I will say the nurses were um, African-Americans. In okay. fact, I had a nurse that was from Jerusalem. Oh, huh. No, no, no. Her name was Jerusalem. She oh, was, okay. <laughs> like, she was of um, Ethiopian, Somalian descent. Okay. okay. Um, I had a white student nurse that was absolutely amazing, which was very surprising because she was a student nurse. Wow. And usually students are not that um, involved, but she was very involved. And I feel like you're only going to fill up the energy of the person that you are training with. And yeah. oh, all the nurses right. that was there were so nice to me. I mean, this was the birth that I wanted to have the first time. Yeah. So, I mean, you just touched on this um, this topic because I know, you know, with the issue of Black um, maternal mortality, there's been a rise in popularity for black doulas and back, uh, sorry, black midwives. What are yeah. your thoughts on that? Is this a wonderful thing? Is this a great thing? Uh, what would you personally use? I think it is. I think it is. I mean, and it's like so sad. Having an advocate there with you, that's, you know, he, he, I think it is. It's so sad to say, like, in this day and age, we shouldn't be thinking that a white nurse should treat me bad or a black nurse should treat me bad. But what I've gone to realize is there are just some white nurses that just don't care for black people. Hmm. And somehow it affects the way they treat you. I have seen this in my job. Wow. I still see it now. I see how the blacks get this horrible diagnosis of psychiatric disorders that are not even to the extent of what they are di- being diagnosed. And hmm. I see the whites that might even be worse get a different kind of diagnosis. Like I see a lot of stuff. I see how, like, even in reports, the white nurses always. Say, talk about the the white patients being pleasant, even though they beat somebody up, but they are still pleasant. What? Yeah. But then with the black person that might have just scoffed a little bit or just yelled a little bit, oh, very, very dangerous. You know, I see that every day. Oh, my gosh. So, I've, I, so I just feel like I don't know what it is. If it's just whenever people just see black people, we just look dangerous. <laughs> and I think, I don't know if, for some, for some reason, I mean, some people just cannot change their opinion about Blacks. I still see it daily. So, if this is the kind of person that you are, and I'm not saying this is, I'm not saying this is like all white people. No, 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 no. no. I, like I said, that student nurse was absolutely fabulous. Yeah. And I have great um, people that I call friends that are, um, that are white. I think it's, it's not white, it's about the whites that grew up like this, that have been molded with this kind of thoughts to see black people in this way. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter whether they are nurses or physicians, they still treat those blacks just like that. 
Hmm. And unfortunately, those people cannot get out of their head to see people in, in this way. Because let me tell you one of the reasons why I chose that hospital. As a nurse, they pay better in that hospital, okay? Yeah. So I'm feeling like that's a good incentive to, to do your job. <laughs> yeah. And our other, my co-workers at that time had told me that, oh, this hospital, the nurses, man, let me tell you how they treat the patients. They will, uh, when you're in labor, they will soak towel in water. They'll come and dab your face, dab your eyes. They will give you mirror so you can see your baby coming out. They will let you play music. They will let you do this. I mean, I was told all these wonderful things that the nurses do. Well, I guess do to other white patients. Mm. I mean, because they, they told me then that, yeah, they do this for like white patients and stuff. But I didn't think that they would not do it for me because yeah. I'm black. Yeah. I never thought about that. Uh, well, I mean, that never came to my mind, to be honest with you, because I didn't think that people are still thinking, people are still like that nowadays. And even if you are like that, when you get into that kind of profession of nursing and caring, yeah. it shouldn't matter who, you, who you're caring for. Exactly. So I was, with those people that took care that took care of me, will I say they were like that? I think some part, some of them, because I, I knew the one, there was one, I don't know if she had been there, but the third time around, when she's when she she had not been involved in my care, I don't think she was. But when she heard that was I was nine centimeters dilated, and the the nurses were still trying to not do anything, she ran. She's like, "Wait, what? We gotta call the doctor." So she was like mm. trying to get me um together. But unfortunately, she she heard that like too late. Exactly. Um, some of them I felt like yeah, they, they were like that because I saw the way they were looking at me. And the second time when I came again, they're like, if look, you know, you know, someone don't have to speak. You can look at their face and see what they are thinking. Yeah. The girl was just like, oh, you're back again. Yeah. And I'm just like, seriously? I know. <laughs> I'm back again. Really? Am I not supposed to come here? And they were just looking at me like they are the one, like they are doing me a favor. I'm like, if I'm if I'm not coming to give back, you will not have a job. Exactly. And the way they were just looking at me and then asking me all these questions that I've already answered like right before I left I just left an hour ago you're asking me the same questions again oh and just the, the things that they were just doing just made me look like even if they're not racist they just did not value my life did not value my comfort did not value my care to be honest with you and that's just how I saw it I also felt like they were also a little bit lazy <laughs> that had something to do with it too I'm oh, glad yeah. you mentioned that, sis. I was gonna ask you, do you think it's because maybe hospitals they're just they're just so busy, they have so much on their mind? They were not busy. In fact, I found out that a lot of the patients had been in the war, a lot of the like um the maternity unit at that time, nobody was having babies. About four or five rooms, the people are just there, like, like just doing and if someone and if if if, 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 if someone is in labor and just they were actually allowed to be doing their laboring thing, you know. Which meant that these people have been there since they were even since they were in my condition the first time I came. But they were obviously allowed to stay in. Okay? Wow. To actually labor properly. So nobody was everybody was just like laboring in their room, which is what I wanted to be doing. Yeah. But I was not allowed to stay because I was not progressing far enough. But those people were not progressing far enough. Because I heard that there's some people that have been there for two, three days. Hmm. Okay? Two, three days laboring. And they are still allowed to be there. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> and I'm not even allowed to be there. So, I mean, I don't, I cannot say I know everything, mm-hmm. but I know that if I was white, 
would I, would they have taken me seriously? Absolutely yes. I know that for a fact that they would have definitely taken me way seriously had I been a white white um pregnant mom. Yes. I want to ask you something. Um, actually, I have like you said so many powerful things. <laughs> I'm trying to like catch up. So one thing that you mentioned that I really want to highlight, and again, feel free. You don't have to answer, you know, as deeply or whatever. Like you spoke about how um, in your place of work, you've personally witnessed and seen, uh, I guess, some of your white counterparts treating uh, maybe black patients or or whoever in a different manner. What are some ways that you can maybe speak up, I guess, on the other patient's behalf, or do you do you ever feel like you have to, or how do you? How can you? Yeah. That, that's the first one. The second one, I know for many of us um, African people, unfortunately, we try to separate ourselves too much from uh, African Americans here, you know, and sometimes we think, oh, well, maybe these issues that you guys are talking about are not important. But then, you know, in your case, you saw it firsthand that racism, you know, it doesn't matter if you're from the continent or from here or wherever in yeah. the diaspora. Um, it can affect you in, in, you know, in an unexpected way. That's And then the third question, um, you know, again, going back to the, I guess, topic of midwives and doulas and advocacy, I know you answered that very well. How can we, or how do you personally, like, would you recommend more women going that route? Like maybe going to a birthing center or what do you think about those types of, I guess, births, like more maybe, quote, unconventional style of birthing. Sorry, I know I asked you so many questions at once. It's, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, so I'll start first with the um, with what I've seen um, mm-hmm. in terms of like patient. Yeah, def- there's definitely been time that I've had to speak up. Okay. I cannot I mean, this stuff are not done, they are done subtly. Yes. Um, the- they are very subtle. So it's not something that the person will be like, Oh, you can see that they are doing it big, but it's something that you can look and say, "This is this is not right." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in those cases, definitely, I'm just like, "No, that's not what I saw." Yeah, <laughs> I'd be like, "No, that is not what I saw. This is what happened, and that is what happened." I cannot really go into details because you know, EPA policy yeah, and stuff like that. But yeah. um, but yeah, there's definitely times where I'm, I'm I've had to be like, "Yeah, this is not what that is." You know, I, I definitely I, I see a lot of exaggeration mm-hmm. on the. I mean, like, like I said, not all like the white nurses or whatever, but I, um, some the ones that have that affinity to be racist. You know, you can tell the ones that want to be racist. Exactly. And always have so much to say about a, you know the black patients and whatnot. And I've definitely seen um, black patients not get the care that they need to get um mm-hmm. over the white counterparts even in terms of like whenever a, a white patient is like oh i need this they are most likely to run and go get it <laughs> then when a black person if a black, black patient says oh i need this they're like do you do you really you know stuff like that wow. so I, <laughs> that i see a lot you know and we are not all assigned like the same patients and yeah. stuff like that so you know you you look and you see stuff like that i'm like that's 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 not cool um, so yeah, in case in, in those times, if I that I've been able to like step out and say, hey, you need this, okay, I'll go, I'll go get you, I'll go get you some Tylenol, and I'll go get you this, you know, yeah. whatever whatever you need, I'll, I'll get it. Um, yeah, in those cases, definitely, um, I I always step in. I actually remember, um, like <laughs> a patient that I've been complaining about that one same issue. I don't know how long he's been complaining, but I know that when I got there it's been like everyday issue oh yeah and I'm like why does this people never recommend this drug for this person 
And so I told the person, I'm like, go ask for this thing. And he did. And I'm telling you, as soon as it was put on it, because I guess they figured out that I must have told him because I wrote it down for him. I said, yeah. go ask this particular medication. And uh, he asked the doctor and they gave it to him. And that was the last time he complained about that thing. So, and I'm like, why have they never put this person on it? This, all it takes, your nursing know, should tell you that this person needs this. Yeah. And as soon as he took that thing, it was fine. I mean, the person was discharged later on. I mean, never complained about that stuff. So I just feel like we are more willing to help people that we can relate to or look like it. us. Yeah, identify with, and I, and I, and I don't think that's cool at all. Um, your second question remind me again. <laughs> oh yeah, they're from. So I'm saying uh, I know many of us continental Africans. Some of us have this view. Okay, you know, when Black Americans speak about certain issues, racist issues, yeah. some of us say, oh well, maybe you guys are exaggerating. But you know, apparently we see in the news every day. We hear all these things, and you've witnessed it yourself. So. How do you think uh, more of us can be more maybe sympathetic towards these issues? I mean, and, and honestly, I even started having that conversation with some of my co-workers, you know, yeah. and I and I like let them know that look, we are the same. Yeah, whether you're African from the continent of Africa mm-hmm. or you are um, a Black Americans, we are the same. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, when you meet a racist cop, when <laughs> you're gonna say, "Oh, are, where are you from?" <laughs> a lot of time, you don't you don't even get a chance to to talk. Look, I still have my accent, but not all of us have our accents. Mm-hmm. My kids are not going to have an accent, like my Nigerian accent. Yeah. They don't have, they're going to talk just like any other person in America. Yeah. And so they are going to still be treated the same way like black. So when you look at that, like we are the same. People that always try to separate or divide black and Africans, like this, that needs to stop. We need to learn how to work together. Exactly. Because we are dealing with the same issue. Maybe some people that might have an accent might differentiate and say, oh, okay. But trust me, they're not going to say, okay, fine, you are African. Because of that, I will not shoot you. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> I didn't mean to laugh, but that's just terrible. Oh. And sometimes we even have it worse because sometimes we also have the issue from our black, from our black, um, blacks that also are even mistreating us. And I, and I experienced it's funny because I came to this country, I experienced racism from whites and blacks. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a very sensitive yeah, so, issue. Yeah, that's a whole other issue. Like, the blacks that I do not think that will maltreat me even did. And that was more painful than whites maltreat, like, maltreating me. Um, but we are the same. And I think we need to start thinking the same. We need to start knowing that we need to come together and, and really know that and unite and have a a one way going forward, like develop, yeah. come together and develop ways to get, to make the society safer and better for us. Like we are the same. We are, we are, even if you don't think you are the same, we are looked at the same. Okay, exactly. So if you're going to be looked at the same way, you better come together and figure things out. And I think, and I, and I know that a lot of people are already doing that. And I thank God, especially in this day, in this day and age now, I see, Blacks wearing their, you know, dashiki. Now, even though we didn't call, we don't call it dashiki. <laughs> wearing their fabrics or whatever. And a lot, a lot of blacks now are more willing to engage and um, to get to know where their roots might be from. A lot of people are doing the ancestry, ancestry um, test. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are traveling back to Africa, and I love that. I want. I, that's what I wish I had seen when I first stepped foot in this country. People trying to see where their roots might be from. Exactly. Um, 
if you if you can find your roots in Africa, you relate to me better. You relate to me more like a king. Yeah. Not like someone that's coming to take the jobs from you. You know, you you relate to me better. And I think I can see that now. There's a shift, mm-hmm. and I think that that's good. Which is which is time for us to start having this kind of conversation about how we can come together and really make this America this that's for a place that's safe for the both of us. Exactly. And, um, the last question about which route to go in terms of like doulas, um, or if you need to like go to a birthing center. I think everybody, whether black, whether white, you can need to determine what works for them. Till today, I will not go to a birthing center, but I know many people that love that. Till today, I will not have a own birth, <laughs> but I know many people that love that. Um, I'm just, I think it's just about your personality. It's about your courage. It's about what you can take and what you cannot take. Yes, my first child was um, without medicine. But the second time around, I, um, after laboring for a while, I opted for epidural. And I don't regret it. It was amazing. Um, could I have done it? Yeah. Because, but I was, to me, my, my birth, my, my um, laboring process is very fast. Okay. So I saw that, oh, well, I didn't think it was going to be that fast, but now I know that it's very fast. So if I have another child now, I probably will probably go. I'll go all the way without using any petrol because I see that I can do it. Nice. But at that time, when they when they told me that oh, I was still just three centimeters, I said, "Oh, yeah, I've done about all, all I can do at this point. <laughs> go ahead and get me." Get me in the <laughs> but after after the epidural came, and I, you know, within thirty minutes, I gave. I I started laboring. Like I, I literally was like, "Hey, I think I'm about to have a baby." So that's like literally 30 minutes after the epidural. And I'm like, so I definitely think I could have done it completely on my own. Um, but I don't regret that. So when it comes to like types of birth you want to have, mm-hmm. how you want to have it, I think it's up to you. For me, I'd rather go to the hospital because I just like to, because for me, if anything does happen, I need to know that I'm already in there. I've seen a lot of videos where, where I know when I was contemplating, do we go to the hospital? Do we do it at home? Do we go to the birthing center? The birthing center is good, but at the end of the day, God forbid, if anything goes down, they will still rush you to the hospital. If you're at home and you're having your baby, if anything goes down, you will still be rushed to the hospital. The people that I would recommend home births for are people that maybe they've done it once or they've done it twice. So like now, people like me, I can do it at home. Because now I kind of have a sense of how my pregnancy, how my laboring will go. And I have a sense of the kind of my symptoms. Oh, and I, and I, my children have been pretty healthy. You get what I'm saying? I did not have not had like a pre, I don't have the pre-eclampsia or eclampsia or any of this um, in utero kind of issues. I know that I'm pretty healthy to say the least. So for people like me that might carry have a good pregnancy, yeah, I can recommend that. But if you know that your pregnancies have been, they've won you once or twice about certain things, your pregnancies have been a little bit difficult, I would not recommend for you to stay at home. God forbid anything goes down. The time it takes for you to, you know, you might think that's the time where the, the um, ambulance will be there in, in, in five minutes and that will be the time that they are tied up somewhere else and they are not there another 10 minutes. You just don't know. I just feel like to be, it's, better, it's better to be safe than sorry. You can take, you can still get a doula. You can still get a midwife. You can get all those people. They can come with you to the hospital. You get what I'm saying? 
they can come with you to the hospital. They can still help you there. They can have a doula helping you do everything that you would have done at home. You, you're just doing it in the hospital. And and the issue with the hospital is just because there's not much people to advocate. But when you have a doula, when you have a midwife that knows, you know, about you and they've been taking care of you, those people can, will be talking to the professional on your behalf. And I think that still makes for a good um, process. I know some people just like to have like a um, hold on, please. Okay. <laughs> like the door. <laughs> sure. They are trying to come in where I am. <laughs> but yeah, I know some people like to have like it's there. Every, every mom, every any woman that's pregnant have a certain vision in their mind mm. of, how, of how they want to give birth. For me, I just wanted the process to be to be to be peaceful, no matter yeah. where it is. Um, some people like to be at home in their comfort of their home mm-hmm. and just the, the reason why is also because they don't want to be disturbed by the healthcare workers coming in and out asking how they do and whatnot and they don't want to be disturbed by anything like that and that makes sense they want to kind of labor by themselves they don't want to do it um because there's something sometimes when you're in labor you don't want somebody looking at you and all that stuff so i understand that but those are things that you can also put on your birth plan hey i'm gonna be in i don't want anybody coming to disturb me when i'm in labor yeah i want to labor by myself I will, I will let you guys know when to come in and when to go out. You can write all that stuff. And you can tell the nurses when you go that, hey, don't disturb me. I'll call you. You know, you can tell, you can look as a nurse. I would love to hear that you don't want me to disturb you. Because <laughs> we exactly. are mandated to go and check on you at a certain period. But if you don't want to be disturbed, that's fine. Those are the things that, that you can write and you can say that you want to happen. But it's still fine that some people want to give birth in the water and all that. So that's fine. But I just always say that. It's all about how your pregnancy has been going. Okay. If your pregnancy is, you know, if you plan this and then you now in the sudden state of your pregnancy and something is going on, something is happening, mm-hmm. and they are watching you, I will not, I will cancel that plan and get, you know, go to hospital. You know, but we also know that you can always plan and things always happen. Exactly. You might not have to go to the hospital and have the baby at all. Because exactly. it's I think it's always good to just plan a certain way, plan safely, plan according to your pregnancy, but know that anything can happen. Um, Thank you. So, yeah. so just, just to round up quickly, because I know, you know, the kids want you and hubby wants you. <laughs> um, for young moms or soon-to-be moms, what would you recommend as, as far as um, creating, setting up their birth plan, what should be on it, what should not be on it, and uh, what are some of the rights that every mom should know about? Including husbands or whoever may be with them, you know, while they're giving birth, but they know their rights, you know. Um, I mean, what would I recommend for you to do as a perfect plan as a newborn? I think definitely one of them is whether you want to take an epidural or not. Um, like I always recommend that. Well, I feel like it's it's it's, a, it's an individual. Everybody is different. You know, that's very pain, but I would recommend that. Give them epidural a chance, or you can say that you're gonna try to Just do one it. Second. It looks like your, your your line got messed up a little bit. Can you hear me now? Yes, perfect. Okay. Yeah, what I was saying is that what I would recommend for hold on, hold on, right quick. Okay. Sure. I'm so sorry. Okay. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
hear what I'm Okay. <laughs> I'm back. I'm so sorry. No problem, please. But yes, what I would definitely recommend is to let them know that um, you will try to do it natural for as long as you can, but you want the option of an epidural. Okay. Definitely. Um, now they also have that like nitrous, nitrous gas. It's called a, it's a laughing gas. That is. I mean, each each clinic that you might go to have like their own thing that they offer. Okay. So just hear everything that they offer and see which one suits you. Okay. Or just say you want options of certain things. I think also like if you want to, some clinic will not let you like take videos or pictures. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So if that's what you want to do, you might need to ask them or no now, you know, before yeah. you get there, start taking pictures right. and you are mad that your event was ruined because you couldn't take uh, video or pictures. Yeah. So to create your first time, you have to actually know it's depending on which um clinic maternity clinic you are going to know what all their options are, know what they offer and what they are not, and then be able to pick what you want to do. Okay. Definitely you want to let them know that you're gonna have um whether you have your spouse with you and whoever is gonna be with you. Sometimes they might allow two people. Um like I remember for my sister, they <laughs> they were not used to <laughs> someone coming in with a gang of people. Oh, okay. Eventually, we have to let them know that this is culture. Culture. Yeah. It's our culture. Because after she had a baby, they were like, whoa, why what are these, all these people doing here? Who, who's there? And they wanted to... So right now, I'm there as the nurse slash advocate. Uh-huh. Mom is there as the mother. Exactly. She has to be there. Um, And then, our... our um, Husband's sister was there because guess what? She's gonna be there. Are <laughs> <laughs> out, um, and then there was like someone like a grandma there. Oh yeah. Cannot force them out. Culturally, we cannot tell those people to go. So that's like four people, and they only wanted like two. Mm. She did not. Want, so eventually, they had to kick me out. Oh no. Like, no! 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 I have to be in there. Yeah. I can help. <laughs> so eventually, she had to let them know that hey, this, this our culture, like. We cannot tell our gra- the grandma and the people to go, but this is the person that I want. But by the time they went to call me, come back, she had already had a baby. Because before I left, and I told her, I said, "You are taking epidural, so you don't know how you are feeling right now. But you just told me you want to poop. Call them and tell them that we are ready to have a baby right now. Because that's a sign." So thankfully, I was able to tell her that before I I was kicked out. Because by the time they allowed me to come back in, she was already she's she was done having a baby. Wow. So. Definitely, that's part of things to put on there too. You need to let them know. These people, maybe you have your mothers, your grandma, both of the grandmas, or whoever is going to be there. Uh-huh. I know that you only guys only accept two, but these people have to be there. Exactly. They will not leave. I cannot make my grandmother leave. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a comfort thing. We, we I, you know, in the we also have to abide by culture. Mm-hmm. Um, we also allow certain things in culture because <laughs> you know, just because you are giving back, you're not going to be the cause of why your mother-in-law is. So <laughs> you need to put all of those things down. So definitely, those are the times to start thinking about anybody that's coming with you, how many people is coming with you, um, ask them what is allowed, what is not allowed, and start writing those things down, like this is what I want and this is what I But if you wait till last minute, like it's, like in, in, in that case, I was now kicked out. God forbid if it was a critical situation now, 
I was not there to speak for her. Yeah. But I had to go because <laughs> the grandmas are not gonna go. Exactly. So, <laughs> so definitely, I've, those are the things you want to prepare for ahead of time. Yeah. Okay. okay. And then some of the rights every mom um, should know. I mean, you you have a right to a good care. Okay. You definitely do. And so that's what you want. You want. You have a right to say how you feel. You have a right to 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 ask for whatever you really you want as soon as it's according to mm-hmm. um to 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 the things you are trying to do. So definitely um as a patient you are in control. The goal is to please the patient. The goal yeah. is to please you. They you are they are there for you, not the other way around. You are paying. Exactly. I don't care if it's insurance that's paying. I don't care if it's Medicare that's paying. Either way, you are paying. The nurses or the doctors or the healthcare workers will not have a job if you are not going there. Yeah. So that's already giving you all the rights in the world. <laughs> don't abuse that power, but use that power and we go there to get what you want. Exactly. And trust me, we always remember the patients that got hard for what they want. We always do. We might not like it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we always remember them because guess what? They make us work for that thing. And we never, we are never. I always like whenever I see somebody like really push me hard, I'm like, yep, she really pushed me hard. Yeah. But guess what? They got the, the care that they want. Exactly. When they go, we are not we don't hate them any less or whatever. We're not gonna even talk about, yeah, we might say we might say that person was difficult, but guess what? That person got exactly what they came here to get. Yeah. No hard feelings. Exactly. No hard feelings. <laughs> so don't feel bad about asking for what you want. I need a cup of ice. I need this. I need that. Ask for what you want. I was so nice. A lot of things I should have requested for. I'm not going to do that, you know? But looking back now, oh, yes. Ask for what you want. Mm. They are there to serve you. That's it. And just I'm glad you also said it's also good just to have someone there, whether it's yes, yeah, for anyone just to help you because you know, you're having a baby might not be all the way there. Maybe you might Mm -hmm. feel browser whatever so having someone to speak on your behalf and reiterate she mm-hmm. wants this and that's very important yeah so yeah. thank you so much is there is there any parting word that you would like to give to the listeners um oh wow okay well to all the listeners out there thank you for having me and i hope you've learned one or two things and yeah definitely check out my youtube channel and support me i'm a new youtuber <laughs> 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 support me there and uh, I just wish the best for everyone and live your best life definitely even during these times oh yeah <laughs> thank you so much I really appreciate it I, I can't thank you enough thank you for joining us Hello, my good people. What's going on? How's it going out there? Once again, friends and family, it's been wonderful. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and let's continue this conversation. If you as a black woman have had a negative birth experience where you felt that you may have been subjected to any form of racial discrimination, please leave us a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash building BLDG Africa's future forward slash message. That's anchor.fm forward slash building spelled B-L-D-G Africa's future forward slash message. Please subscribe, share, and contact us on Instagram and Facebook 
at Building Africa's Future. That's the regular spelling, B-U-I-L-D-I-N-G, Africa's Future. Or by email at buildingafricasfuture at gmail.com. And we've just created a YouTube page, so you can also find us there as well. That channel is BAF, which stands for Building Africa's Future, dash Conversations from the Diaspora, BAF dash Conversations from the Diaspora. If you enjoyed our work so far and you would like to contribute, my cash tag is dollar sign in Kiru Obi. That is N-K-I-R-U-O-B-I. Thank you all so much for listening once again. And until next time, please stay well, please stay safe, and in good spirits always. Bye. Oh, thank you.